three, four, jumps with Fred and Julie. Jumps with Fred and Julie. Accidental death insurance with Fred and Julie. Jumps. So I guess, Fred, the thing about you is you love your job, don't you? Oh, with stand-up comedy, I do, even though I haven't done it in the last year. What do you think was your hardest job ever? My hardest job ever? It was probably... Uh, I don't know. I never had hard jobs. <laughs> they were, never too, <laughs> they were okay. never too demanding. I tell you what, what was your first job? My first job? Well, well technically, my first job was going to the shop for my mom and then keeping the change. You knew you were going to get, you knew you were going to get money at the end of it. That is a job, you know, actually. That is a job, right. exactly, yeah. yeah. And it, it happened around once, every, once a week, definitely once a week. But you, you could never ask for an income. You could never ask for a pay rise. You know, the only way you could get it was to, on the slide, buy less stuff for your mother. <laughs> knowing, that, knowing that you had an extra two pound in your pocket. So... I think my first job, I mean, I guess you are right. That was a job. My first yeah. job was in Garvey's. Shout out to our future sponsor, even though they don't know it yet. <laughs> Garvey's in Dingle. I was a checkout girl and I was so bad at the job. I used to do the intercom as well, but they took me off that fairly lively because I was very distractible. I was easily distracted when I was on the intercom and I used to have a mate who worked on the shelves. Pierce was his name. And I really fancied this guy. Well, I wouldn't say fancied him, but I would have been shifting this fella uh, when I was working in Garvey's. And let's just give him a fake name. Let's just call him Curly. Okay. So what would happen is, is that I would be easily distracted by people walking past when I was in, on the intercom. So I would say things like, Pierce to the checkouts, please. And at that moment, Curly would walk past and I would say, Pierce to the checkouts, please, Curly. And Pierce would come up like, what are you doing? I was constantly doing that. So I would constantly start off with a Jack to the checkouts, please, Pierce. <laughs> Just made no sense whatsoever but I was so bad at the job my till was constantly out so you know maybe you would expect your till to be out by a euro or two but the poor girls from the office were down to me every week saying Julie your till is out by 1400 euro like it was just always <laughs> these insane figures so I I genuinely believe they probably considered me to be either the world's worst criminal or the world's best criminal. But little did they know, I was just a bit thick. I just wasn't that clever. I was constantly just throwing zeros in for the crack and seeing what happened. So even now, as I go around Garvey's, I'm always a little sheepish because I'm pretty sure I still owe the money. Well, absolutely. And they knew you weren't stealing anything. I mean, it'd be different if you were coming into Garvey's every morning with new jackets and later shoes like Kanye West going, hey, which tell am I behind today? Thanks very much. Do you know what I mean? Like, then you start asking a few questions. And I can remember, actually, there was an instant. We once had an instant with the stolen credit card. So there was this woman on a bit of a spree around Munster with the stolen credit card. And she used the card in Garvey's. So they went to look at the CCTV to find out which checkout she had attended. And to their horror, she had come to my tills. They were like, we're fucked because it's Judy on this one. So the guards had to interview me. And they were like, could you give a description of the woman? And I was like, well, I know this sounds crazy, but she had really thin lips. <laughs> She'd really thin lips and the guards were like, 
what? And I said, she'd really thin lips. The reason I knew that was because she had this very pink lipstick on. So I was kind of looking at the lipstick and thinking how thin her lips were. So we went through her shopping list. And to be fair, she hadn't done the dog on the stolen credit oh. card. Like she bought one tomato one i'll never forget one tomato so she was like listen it's not my card so i don't want to be taking the piss here i just need the one tomato fair enough anyway they caught the woman and the guard then came back into me and he said you were right about the lips there you go well if it ain't tanya the tin lip teeth and he's uh, Tanya, the thin lip teeth, indeed. That's a hard one to say. And he and he yeah. said that when they when they brought her in, he knew he had the right woman because of the lips. So there you Are go. You they scoffed. They laughed at me, but well, I was the one. I was the link there. Well, you're trying to deflect it from you because you've got very su- sumptuous word lips. You know, very round, sumptuous lips. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. This is, are you flirting with me? I think now that, you know, absolutely. After going out for three years, I think now it's time. Now it's time. Well, I did think you were flirting with me the other day when I rang you. You were in Dublin doing the Tommy show and you were in the nip. Yeah, well, no, I I thought it'd be funny uh, on the video if you... uh, turn it on and there I am my top off now obviously this is just for you I wouldn't do it to any random person like this and but with the way the light was against me I was Spoken like oh look like a true creep I wouldn't <laughs> do it to a random person no and uh, I did look like a Vermeer painting didn't I with the light against my skin you, I'm not just saying this Fred but you actually did yeah yeah it was the shadow it was the use of shadow yeah yeah my phone's good for that now the easy shadow so if there's any people out there who want to employ me for a Dove ad or something like that, you know, now, now's your chance. Do you know, I was thinking about what you were saying there about your till not adding up, because that happened to me uh, on my second job. I had a job in Holt Shop. I was a news agent in Carrick and Shannon, and I was always 20 euro out, 10 euro out, 5 euro out. So, you know, it wasn't like... So if you were going to steal, you'd probably steal a bit more. So they knew it was a mistake. And I actually remember giving a guy 20 euro when I meant to give him five euro change. And he walked out smiling. It was a Friday night. And he went out drinking, you know, back then that would have been like, you know, 10 extra pints. So, uh, so he was delighted with himself. So I was kind of delighted. I gave him a good night as well indirectly. But my uncle showed me something. He taught me the gift, which no computer, no barcode can do, no till can do in a shop, which is counting your money back up. Just counting it up. Give us an example. Give me, okay, give me a, give me a, give me a number. Give me a fee, am- amount of money, and I'll take it away from 50 euro. Oh, you were, okay, 15.99. Oh, 15.99. Uh, how are you, Julia? How are you doing? Yeah, so here's your change. And one cent is 16 euro, and four euro is 20 euro, and then 30 euro is 50 euro. So there you go. Thanks very much. I'll talk to you again. Goodbye. That well, easy, and you can't make a mistake. You can't. I, ga- I gave you a hundred euro. You didn't fifty. I did. I Sorry, I gave you a hundred euro there. I gave you a hundred euro note. Actually, Check your we, till. We need to look at the cameras here. Can we call the police? Sorry, it's the police here. Thanks very much. It's just, <laughs> My old friends. Well, if it didn't Tanya the tight lip teeth. We knew it was you all just along, give, Just give me my pink lipstick and I'll be on my way. <laughs> but of course, it has to be you. My singular tomato. Uh, <laughs> Did you never count up? 
I used to, you, you know what to. I, you know what I used to do? I used to memorize barcodes for the crack just to keep my, ju- yeah, I did. And it was actually pretty impressive because there, I was, I got taken off the ice creams fairly quickly as well. So I did, uh, I did the, the news kind of the news agents counter for a while, but they took me off that because I was pretty bad at the 99s like it, you always <laughs> you always knew Judy was on the 99s because there was a queue out as far as the bus stop in Garvey's of people waiting to be served because I was still battling with the 99 situation oh, yeah. um so I would shout over to my mates they would shout over you know people during the summer would be buying mad stuff like hula hoops and yeah you know floatables and things like that and people would always pick the one that didn't have the barcode and people my colleagues would shout over to me to get the barcode but instead of going to get the barcode I would say it's 5099839 whatever it was and shout it back over and customers would be like wow my god they're employing rain man yeah I mean probably was a bit of a rain man situation and then they'd come over and say what are you doing with your life and I would say I'm doing arts and they would say oh uh yeah so that was that was me in Garvey's I was awful nervous as well with the 99s serving them like that but I always used to be quite relaxed uh, how are you 399 this is it and then just before I pull the ice cream thing you're starting going, to sweat when oh. you're, you're and you're trying to you're trying to calm it's exactly. like someone telling you your engine's on fire you're like okay cool <laughs> would you like a flake in that yeah if they listen quite closely I'm like yeah 399s but then if the customers listen quite closely they could hear fuck <laughs> fuck how you oh, doing? I'm just going to go again with that one. I'm just going to go again with that 99. Here, put that in the bowl. That's for the kid. There's a little freebie. <laughs> Disaster. Kids cone. Yeah. Uh, the old kids cones are basically, the, they're the runs of the litter, aren't they? No, I just, yeah, I was useless at it. And to be honest, I think anyone who's worked with 99s, having seen the inside of a 99 machine, it would put you off the old 99s, wouldn't it? You need to clean it every morning and every night, even in the middle of the day. Would you clean it that much? Yeah, we would, yeah, every, every night. Well, it depends on how busy the, uh, your day was, but if it's a good summer's day, you definitely... Well, you have to put in the, the dairy milk and then you have to let that settle, so that takes... So it's, it's almost like dairy uh, bacon that you have to prepare that day. Well, Thanks for asking. that's true. Yeah, yeah. But at least in those jobs, it was social for you. You met people. I like love, yes, it well, it was, I don't know, was it social for you? I don't know, was it social for me? It was unbelievable. Well, whole shop in Carrick and Shannon in the 90s was, it was a different time. You know, people could come into any shop and just hang around all day and chat to the person behind the counter. Even like if you were kissing a girl or half dating a girl, she'd be in reading the newspapers that you just got that day. Like no one gave a shit. There was no pressure about anything I loved it I loved it for the pattern of people coming in and having chats and stuff like that and even when I worked at a second hand shop you know I love meeting people and talking about music I just as long as I was meeting people and chatting I didn't I didn't I didn't care how much I was getting or what the job was I mean it, it was doesn't imp- sound like you were working very well <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was never about work for me it was just about meeting people and chatting you saying you saying about the papers there i just had this flashback and i'm not sure what this is even about if any of our psychoanalytic listeners want to get in touch but pierce who i've already referenced he used to stack the old shelves in garvey's his dad who 
I, I mean, obviously I knew the man to see or whatever, but I had no personal relationship with his dad. But his dad would come in at like two o'clock in the day. and Read I would, the whole paper? No, to buy yeah. the Times. And I would cut the head off the papers that he got it for free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know why I did that? Because like no personal relationship with the man. You know the way back in the day, you, you know, you'd obviously cut the head off the papers and send back the ones you didn't sell. Yeah, so if, yeah. if people came in a few minutes before the end of the day, they would get a free paper, which is fair enough. Now, I think they, they've since done away with that now. There's a different system in place. But I have no idea why Pierce's dad would come in. It wasn't even close to closing time and I would be giving him a free paper. Yeah, Taking yeah. the head off the paper. Why? What is that about? Because you're sound. That's but why. I didn't he even you were really sound. know them. I don't know what it was about. Yeah, yeah. And did management know you were doing this? Do you know what? It probably was wrong, wasn't it? I don't, I don't even feel comfortable admitting this on the airwaves. Look, there were different times. I remember... It was a shop when I was working. It was a shop up the road for us in Carrick and Shannon. And this was 97 when Playboy came into town. Maybe 96, 97. And there was guys... Playboy into Carrick and Shannon? Into the whole of Ireland. Into the whole of Ireland, Playboy arrived. And I was actually saying it to my uncle. So we need to be selling Playboy. Not just for my own personal gain, but I reckon we could sell a few. Because do you know what? Lads my age would feel comfortable coming in and buying it off me the same age and I wouldn't ask any questions and I wouldn't be pointing the finger there'd be no Catholic guilt when it comes to Freddie Town no like get whatever you want lads so the thing is right but they would come in but they'd go to the shop up the road and this is what they do they'd be so embarrassed buying Playboy to, because the person working behind the counter would have been mates with their parents or something like that that they would buy the Irish Times right these are lads who are 15 or 16 they would get the Irish Times and then they would get the Playboy which is a few shelves up and they would put the Playboy magazine in between the Irish Times go up to the counter and go the Irish Times and while you're at it and then peel back the Irish Times <laughs> That as well, please. Thanks very much. That as well. That's how embarrassed they were. That they had to spend an extra three quid every Sunday in the Irish Times to get away with buying Playboy magazine. Now that is guilt. Tell me, I, do you know what story I, I was just thinking about the other day? Do you remember a couple of years ago when we first started going out, you told me that story about the guy in Chapters with the ATM machine? Yeah, I was working upstairs in Chapters and uh, I didn't know how to use credit cards, how to... And this guy came in and he wanted to buy over 200 euro worth of stuff. And uh, I said, sorry, we don't use credit card here. <laughs> That's what I said to him because I just didn't want to use the credit card. And even though the card machine was beside me, I just hit it with a piece of paper and went, thanks for coming now. Good luck. That's it. And he just left. He just left, yeah. It's, you know what's so funny? I only realised, I never caught this because you mentioned working chapters before. Sure, I would have worked in a record shop for years as well. I know it's not quite the same thing, but would they sell records in chapters? No. Okay. Records. Okay, CDs just. I worked in a record shop for years. Uh, the, so the Dingle Record Shop in Dingle, which for a long time was the smallest shop in Ireland. I don't know if it still can claim that title, but I worked there for the best part of really two decades. And I can remember quite often an American lady would come into you just like fur brows and then you would ask, oh, are you looking for anything in particular? And they would invariably turn to you and say, well, I'm looking for something. I don't know, but I don't know who's, I don't know who the singer is. Okay. Do you know the name of the song? I don't know the name of the song. And then she would call in the husband and she'd say, she would say, Arnold, Arnold, what was the name of that? 
what was the name of the song with the singer? And then I would ask her for a visual and say, well, what did this singer look like? And she'd say, she had kind of like dark hair. Was it dark hair, Arnold? Was it, you'd say it was dark hair. And then this would go on and on, this merry dance. And I would say, could you sing a line of the song? And 100% of the time, not even 98% of the time, 100% of the time she would sing. It was something about, my heart is down. My heart is so down. And then I would just say nothing, whack on a woman's heart. And we would stand there and her jaw, she would be agape. Her jaw would be on the floor as Mary Black would be blasting out. There's only a woman's heart can be. And they would, she would look at me, this American lady, with just such admiration, thinking that I had some encyclopedic knowledge of Irish music, not knowing that this was just always the song. That was a great album, A Woman's Heart. Oh, really was the soundtrack to our youth, wasn't it? Just riding around in a Ford Fiesta with a hole in the floor of the car, watching the road whiz past to the soundtrack of The Woman's Heart CD. Yeah. I... Well, at that time, The Woman's Heart cassette. Yeah. I One Christmas, I think this is summer 1990 when it was released, I think, and... Uh, I bought it for mom and I wrapped it up so she didn't know. And mom bought it for Joanna, Joanna being my sister. And Joanna got it for mom. So then on Christmas Eve, we opened up our presents and we had three versions of a woman's heart in the house. Do you know what I mean? Just because, <laughs> just because we heard Mary Black singing on the Late Late Show, right, we all secretly said to ourselves, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get a woman's heart. But you know, you know my favorite song on that album? Because Let I'm always singing And I think about, about you. you all the time. Caledonia. I just I love that. I just love the melancholy in it. Yeah. And if I should become a stranger, oh that would make me more than sad. Caledonia, you're everything I ever had. Am I getting better at the singing or am I as, am I I just, as bad as ever? I don't think you know your talent. Do you know what I mean? Right, like, so are you taking like, the why? piss out of me? Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the piss. Is this like, <laughs> do you remember when you told me, because I am notorious when it comes to the singing, when you told me, you gave me this top tip that when I sang, to sing in such a way that it sounded to me like I was singing wrong, and then maybe I'd be singing right. Do you remember that top tip? <laughs> and I tried that. to apply that because actually then I was singing along, myself and Emma Doran were singing along to something. She was like, have you improved at the singing? And I said, well, Fred gave me this top tip. But I mean, look, I think I've regressed. I did tell you that before, that when it came to my confirmation choir, there were 30 students in that class. I was the only child not allowed into the confirmation choir. I was excluded along with another guy and I'll give him a fake name here. Let's just call him Dan. Dan was also excluded from the confirmation choir. So a few years later, I was on a Dublin bus into town and who sat beside me? Only Dan. And we were reminiscing on the good old primary school days. And as he exited, as he descended from the bus, I noticed that Dan was wearing a humongous huge, huge hearing device on his ear. So it materialized 
that Dan was essentially deaf and I was the only hearing child who'd been excluded from my confirmation choir. That is, it's the worst thing, it took you 15 years to realise that as well, like it was hanging over you like. Now, I put out into the ether, I asked people to get in touch about their dodgy jobs, okay? So we got a few good ones, but I'm just going to play one. Can I just play one? Yep. Okay, so this uh, this lady got in touch. Now, I th this is desperate, but I didn't actually get her name. But she goes by Mushy P007, and we all like a Mushy P, don't we? I love Mushy P. I love, you know what, they're my favourite kind of peas. There, I've said it. Okay, so here's Mushy P's uh, uh, description of her dodgy job, and I'll get your thoughts. I didn't know how to do the voicemail bit. Um, accidental death insurance. I did it when I was in college for about six months, and you had to meet a certain quota to sign up, obviously, being sales. But the funny thing was um, you had a 30-day free trial. <laughs> Like, can you believe it? Sign up for 30 days and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> it was so funny. I think you got like half a million and it was for things like, you'd have to give scenarios. If you're walking down the road and you got hit by a bus, that's accidental death. So they'd pay out for that. But yeah, 30 days free trial. And then it was something like 20 quid a month after that, I think. But yeah, people actually signed up to it. Can you believe it? So that's my voicemail. How good is that? So you sign up and look, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and if you're alive at the end of the 30 days and you still feel like taking your chances, let's just plow on together. <laughs> I have an issue. Now, isn't that just such a funny voicemail? And can we just say... Shout out to Cork. I just think everything sounds better in a Cork accent. It's no wonder she sold so much. If yeah. you're selling accidental death insurance via telemarketing, you need somebody from Cork on your team, don't you? They're the only one who's going to be able to get it over the line. Absolutely. It's Blind Boy says the, the, the Cork accent. Oh, no, it actually goes, yeah, he goes, the Cork accent sounds like Limerick people in good humour. Oh, that's they always sound. They always sound happy. And you know what? I've such a soft spot for the Limerick accent because I taught in Limerick for years, and it was by far my favourite place to teach in. Unfortunately, I had to leave due to personal feuds. I had to leave. Well, not so much feuds, but um, a few Coming issues. Up on next week's podcast. Next personal week's... feuds. <laughs> oh I my god! That would be a long that podcast. That would be a long podcast. Um. But yeah, no, so I, I do have a massive soft spot for the Limerick accent, but I can see where he's coming from on that one. I have a thing, though, with health, with, with life insurance in, gen in general, because there is a big issue. I'm not so sure is it an issue here in Ireland, but I know when I look at these cases, these murders that happen in the States, invariably when a partner kills the other partner, they've taken out this gargantuan life insurance policy on them. So they've taken out, you know, a life insurance policy and poor old Jimmy over here for $750,000. And then Jimmy just ends up falling down the stairs the week after. I just think you're setting, I, it's, it's just you're setting people up for a violent end if you are allowing partners to take out these huge life insurance policies on each other like 
If you took out a life insurance policy on me, how much would you be looking for? How much would, if you died? Yeah. Uh, well, considering I paid the person a million euro to make it happen, I'd be looking for <laughs> four million back. Four million back. Would you take out a hitman on me? Honestly. No, I wouldn't. Honestly, would you do it yourself? Yeah, I'd just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> just have to think of ways of doing it. You know, yeah. I'd probably do it like, myself. It's that door working over there, is it, Julie? It just seems to be... Is it <laughs> open or broke? Is it? I don't know. Will you just take a look? Oh, the mother, Mary, father, father. God bless me, sins. But God bless me, sins. Is that a... No, is that dishwasher? Is that toaster in the bath? It's not working. How did, did Ted... Julie, did Ted put that toaster in the bath? Will you take it out for me? Will you just put your hand in... I don't even know how it ended up. You know, up. the awful thing is that... It would be the perfect murder because nobody in my family would believe you could do it. Yeah. And then I'd be on the Late Late Show. Devastated. No one's... Ah, oh, she was great. She well, was I great. just... I wrote up that story recently on uh, that prick, that absolute prick, Joe Riley. Yeah. Do you remember when he appeared on the Late Late Show yeah. after murdering his wife, Rachel, and her poor mother having to sit beside him? What a prick. What an absolute arrogant prick. And the strange thing about that was... His like his girlfriend that he had, obviously he's been having this affair with the girlfriend. She continued to visit with him, etc., when he was in prison for years after the fact. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't human nature so strange like that? You could look beyond the fact that he killed his wife. Maybe she believed he was innocent. I don't know. Sometimes, if you love somebody, you you you, you filter out reality to maintain love. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just ignore exactly, yeah, the obvious. Yeah, like I love you, but I have to filter out reality and wake up in the morning and go, <laughs> "This isn't happening. This isn't happening." <laughs> it's yeah. I know it's it's a nightmare from which you're still trying to wake up. Can we just ask well, as well? We're all about the voice notes, so I'm going to be throwing out um questions on my instagram fred you're going to do it and it's going to be on trapped we have a new instagram account because that's what judy needed in her life was another instagram account <laughs> so we have another instagram account we're going to be throwing out questions and we'd love to use people's audio notes i thought that was such a gas one as well because i used to do telemarketing did you ever do telemarketing no what is it exactly well, like when you cold call people. So I used to work in this call center in Dingle, which was funded by the Uderos. We got a few grants for it. And I used to sit beside Paul Fannery of Walking on Cars. And Paul was gassed. We used to ring up people and they'd be giving out about Aircom saying, Aircom are wild deer. And Paul would be saying things like, there are no wild deer in Ireland. And we'd all fall around laughing. And I can remember one day, um, one day this person... <laughs> This guy that Paul rang and he was going through the rates, how we were so much better than Aircom. I think it was maybe Talk Talk. I don't know if that yeah. company still exists, but we were going through how our rates were so much better than Aircom. This guy said, You're lying. You're lying through your teeth. And Paul responded with, Excuse me, I'm lying through my tooth. And we all, we all <laughs> thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing. 
<laughs> I know. And then I ended up sitting in, I because obviously this is a huge call centre. Oh, so fine. I was sitting at this random desk. There were about maybe, I'd say there were 60 people working there. It was a great employer at the time. And one day I opened up the desk and whose trousers were in the desk and had been left there? They were bootleg cords. Do you remember those days? The bootleg Lovely, cords. Yeah. They were Curly's trousers. I was like, how have I ended up on a desk with Curly's trousers? Because he used to work there before I worked there. And I took this as a sign from the universe that I should continue shifting Curly for another 12 years. Why? Even though all evidence pointed to the contrary. I said, no, I found his trousers in the desk. That was God's way of saying, you're going to make it happen, Julie. Well, that's great stories. Like, there's crack in, in, at least we've found, we've always looked for the crack in jobs and fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, we were never going to be professional accountants. We were never going to be, like, actress, you know what I mean? Risk factor. We were never going to do any stuff like that. You're a you bit of what? an actor, though. No, actuary. Oh, actuary. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, not for us. Yeah, yeah. Act, not like acting, Jeannie. Actuary, like, eh, eh. Like, you know, risk risk assessment. <laughs> well, I used to get an actuary when I was, my till was out by 1,400 euro every week. <laughs> I think? actually thought, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine now, and he's he's an actress, he studied actuary in UCD and I live with him, but I genuinely thought he went for the first two days, live with him, archery. I thought he went out every day with a bow and arrow. I was like, wow, what a cool. And he's like, and he goes, oh yeah, I saw the actuary. I was like, wow, that's like a, that's like a, you do an exam in UCD with a bow and arrow, like, and you, you got your rings at the end of the field. That's amazing. And you were and you were saying to him things like, "But is it not dangerous?" <laughs> and he was like, "It is. It can be very dangerous now if you're standing in the wrong. If it if you don't get it right." And you were and you were saying things like, "Are you ever scared that someone will hurt you?" <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Well, if you assess the risk, you know you'll be okay in actuary." God, yeah, yeah, Mad. And uh, but and then I would have thought that he said acting, so I would have been saying things to him like, "Where can I see you perform?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And things yeah. Like, and saying things like Brenda Fricker, she's she's amazing, isn't she? Yeah. And he's trying yeah. to join the dots, not understanding what was going on. <laughs> I think my lowest professional moment was probably when I had um a, a probably I I mean I did have a bit of a nervous breakdown when I left Limerick, and I ended up working in a fish and chip shop. In Dingle, not the fish box, not the fish box. I don't know if it actually exists anymore, but I ended up dropping um, the boss's iPad and I got fired by a 17 year old. Oh, and I was 34. (laughs) That's when you, that's when I knew I had to make some changes. And that's when I said, I'm starting comedy. That's it. That is funny. It's the same feeling when I'm leaving the Limerick roundabout with my letter of permission to leave RT and I meet this guard in his early 20s. Where are you going? Okay. And he's got such discipline in his simple questions. How are you? What is going on? And I'm like, you're in your early 20s. Will you leave you alone, will you? We're just, when you're 30, you just have to accept that people in their 20s have more authority than we have. That's it. That's a bit ageist though, Fred. Well, it's just, it's hard to accept. And it is ageist. 
it's hard to accept that people in their 20s have more authority over you. And you did accept it because you left the job. You didn't say... But I couldn't keep turning back up. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't really an option in it, Fred. I have to laugh at you, though, at the guard checkpoints 100%, even when they're, like, signaling for you to drive on. You're stopping because you want to show them your letter. Yeah. And then I say, and then, you know, meanwhile, there's, there's people in the front line who are helping uh, people with the coronavirus. And then I'm saying to a guard, oh, yeah, I wear the glittery outfit. I introduce all the acts. Go on, let me into Dublin, will you? <laughs> well, weren't you saying there was a guy who was, tra- who was trampolining or doing tight ropes or something? They were telling you about him. Yeah, the guards told me earlier on uh, that, uh, that but it is true, it was the World Street Performing Festival, which was happening socially distant in Dublin. So there was a guy leaving Dingle who told the guards that he's a professional tightrope, <laughs> professional tightrope walker, and that's why he has to leave Kerry to get into Dublin. I can't so. believe, and I can't believe I had to talk you around to moving to Dingle when we have a professional tightroping community here. Oh, exactly. You found your yeah. people. So advice to any listeners, if you are stuck and you need to get into a different county, just put a rope and put it in the back seat and say to the car that you're a professional tightrope walker. And if you haven't heard of the Westmead Tightrope Festival, well, then you don't belong in Ireland. I think um, the tightroping, if you put a rope in your back seat, they might be asking you a few more questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. You could be, you could be up to no good. That's what you could be doing. When I was working in a shop in Leitrim, uh, he used to, we used to deliver milk. <laughs> we used to do the milk rounds. But it wasn't like, this is true, Julie. It was like we had this professional, you know, we had a proper truck that was at a certain temperature to hold milk. No, he put, <laughs> put cartons of milk in the back of a 1.5. And I'd sit in a passenger seat and he'd drive around. And we wouldn't even get out of the car to deliver the milk to the house. We would drive up. He was such a good driver. And we'd put it outside the hedge and leave it just outside the house. I wouldn't even, I just, with my right hand, collect the milk in the back of the uh, back seat of the car, put it into my left hand, open the window, and then just lay it on the wall in front of the house and drive on to the next house. That's how good we were at delivering milk. It's not desperate, isn't my it? My like? milkshake brings all the boys to the yard <laughs> and they're like, even as you were talking there, all I could hear was, they're like, a better than yours. <laughs> What's that song about? Ah, uh, no, come on, Fred. You're not even taking the piss, are you? Do you know what? I think My I know milkshake I brings all the boys to the yard. Fred, about... I, I'm talking to you about it after the podcast because it's, it's X-rated pet. Is it about... The word is out, this girl kind of, you know, she'll, 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 bring you, she'll bring you to that special place. It's... With her, with, her, with her shake, her shaking hand. Okay, Fred, listen, I'll talk to you about it after the podcast. Is that okay? Am I right? I want to know now. What's it about? <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Look, it's something saucy. It's, something, it's not just about a milkshake. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. I'll talk to you about it in, in a couple of minutes. Does she, have a, does she have a coffee shop? <laughs> no, <laughs> he doesn't have a coffee shop. Is You'd be higher pressed to get a milkshake in a coffee shop these days. You would, yeah, yeah. People have gone quite when anti-milk. When Tim Hortons came to Ireland, that changed the game. Do you remember Tim Hortons? There's Canadian. I think they're Canadian. They and, are Canadian. Uh, yes. They were the first to do. Uh, they were the first to do uh, iced coffee. It was amazing. Ireland didn't know what happened. It's yeah, because in with- Ireland we don't need a feckin' iced coffee. When the idea of a summer here is just wearing a lighter <laughs> jumper. <laughs> 
Of course there's no market for iced coffee. So Julie, did you ever have any shit jobs? Any shit jobs? I mean, I don't know when I say shit job, but in terms of jobs, I was really shit at. I've had a few. I think the job I was probably worst on. I remember when I was living in Australia, I rocked into rocked up to this pizza place in Bondi Beach because I'd seen a sign in the window. And I was on a holiday visa at the time, so I wasn't supposed to be working. So my options were limited. So I went in, saw the sign in the window, went in and said, I'm looking for a job. And the guy in the pizza place said, can you drive? And I said, no. And then he said, okay, fair enough. Just leave your number. And I had a bit of, bit of a chat. And then the next day, the guy rang and he said, listen, you know, we're looking for a driver. And I realized I hadn't read the poster properly. And the poster said, driver wanted. So that's why they asked me if I could drive. But then the guy said, look, we thought you were good fun. So we decided to come up with a job for you. So your job is going to be answering the phone and slicing pizza. So I was like, what could possibly go wrong? And then I answered the phone. And this is kind of before Google Maps. It mustn't have been a thing. And the person would say, so can I have a pepperoni pizza? And then they would say, well, I give you my address. And I would say mad things like, <laughs> I would say mad things like, no, look, we'll find you. And <laughs> I <up> the phone. <laughs> or, or they would say the equivalent of, I'm just making up the name of a street or Wallaby Street, which was a huge street. And then they would say, do you want the number? And I'm like, no, you're grand. And hang up the phone. And then I was on, in, also in charge of slicing pizza. I did an equally bad job of that. So obviously when you slice the pizza, you generally end up with maybe six, eight slice, slices. But for some reason, I would end up with five or seven slices. I always ended up with the an odd number, which makes no mathematical sense whatsoever. I think I was just slicing triangles individually on the pizza. And then to keep my job, I was getting friends to ring in to ask for pizzas just so that the owner would think business was booming because I was there. And I asked, I remember a group of friends, I asked them what they thought of the pizzas afterwards. They were like, lovely pizzas, but I don't know who sliced them. The slices were crazy. Very generous. Generous portions, Julie. I just, it was, I was bad at the job. I was very bad at the job. So as with many of these jobs, what I did was I never went back. I woke up one morning, very hungover, didn't show up for work and lost a week's wages and had to post back my uniform because I was too embarrassed to go in there. But the pizza place was outside my house, so I saw the people all the time, but we just didn't acknowledge one another. You never went back in. Walk on by. Well, I wasn't getting pizza. That was for no. sure. Yeah, yeah. Homemade was there any shit own. job? Did you ever have a job? You never had a job you hated, I'd say. Uh, well, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I did have a job in a hotel. And this is when I just turned 18, so I was minimum wage. So it was like £2 an hour. When, when Punt was around and I was cleaning pots and pans in the hotel and it was very hard because uh, you're always the first in do you know what I mean to, to prepare well I used to prepare the potatoes first I'd peel all the potatoes for the day so they were ready for the chef and then I'd start with the pots and pans that I'd already cleaned the night before that needed to be cleaned again after breakfast and uh, it was just relentless and, and hard and uh, I 
I'd never, it was a really sunny summer and I didn't get one bit of suntan because I was just stuck in the kitchen all the time. And uh, do you know the way the, the uh, thing come is... Come on, Fred, I don't think that's because you were in a kitchen. You wouldn't have been getting a suntan anyway, <laughs> Pet. If I was working in that job now, I'd be like Brad in LA or Chad surfing uh, along Australia, you know what I mean, because I have a natural tan. But uh, the problem is with hotels is that uh, there's, there's ego and placement of authority. Like, the manager's in charge, right? The manager of the hotel, he's, no one's going to argue with him. And then the manager will give out to the chef, right? And then the chef will give out to all his chefs, his sous chefs, and all those people. And then those people will give out to me on pots and pans, right? If I had, I had no one to give out to. I had absolutely no one to give out to. Like, so I'd leave after being given out to all day and I'd walk home from the hotel. I didn't have that far. And sometimes I'd see a dog and I felt like giving him a kick up the backside. <laughs> but you didn't. Why did I have no one to give out? Before, I did, people, I come, before people text in, you didn't though. I didn't, I didn't. And you never would. But I was annoyed and the dog seemed that I was annoyed because I had no one to give out to. And I remember one morning the dog giving out to the manager. <laughs> so there you go, it went full circle. Ruff. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a very hard job. My uh, dog whisperer. I was a services steward in in a college when that was uh, that was wonderful because I had very little to do and it was my last actual job before I went full time into comedy. It was I had to do Celtic Tiger job, just money for nothing. It just wouldn't it? Yeah, it wouldn't. It couldn't exist today. I don't think the job actually does exist today. But what in was fact, it? I still couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know what I had to do. <laughs> but where was it in UCD? It, it was out in the... Uh, I, I don't know, Bob, if I should say names and all this cause, because I was employed there. You know what I mean? And it, okay. Kind of, what do you think? You're right. It was a Celtic Tiger job. And uh, compared to previous jobs, I had very little to do. You know, before this, I did pots and pans. I worked in a second-hand shop. I delivered milk. I picked stra- strawberries. I uh, I went. I did shopping. You for picked my mom. strawberries. <laughs> I am from Netherlands, and I picked yeah, strawberries. I strawberries. So, so this was to help students out. That's what the nature of the job was. That if students couldn't find a lecture hall or, you know, the the DVD wasn't working on the lecturer's computer, you know, I was there to help out. But I came. I entered this job. That is the most bullshit job I've ever heard in my whole life. It gets better. It gets better. I, I entered this job at the end of June when when campus was out, like when, when there's, there was no students around. Like, so I, I, came into a, I came into a place in Black Rock and I had nothing to do. I was like a priest walking around the area on a retreat, talking with other people with the same job. <laughs> and then I'd go for dinner and then I'd go for another walk. And then uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. It, it could never exist. Now, you did, it was 40 hours a week, and I was a full-time comedian as well. And uh, I wish I saved the money I had from the job because I didn't. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was probably the hardest job I had to do just to turn up and be there because I was just so exhausted with gigging. I know you have that as well at one stage. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're working and gigging and working, something, goes, something, something has to give. So thankfully, I had nothing to do in my other job because I wouldn't have been able to do anything. I was so wrecked from gigs. All I want to say is, and I'm not name dropping here, but uh, I think it was 2002, 2003, I met Dylan Morn and I asked him for advice in comedy. And he said, Fred, you don't need it. You're so good. Okay, I made that bit up, right? But (laughs) I did ask, right? I asked for advice. And he said to me, well, you need to get a job. 
And I was like, I thought it was kind of ironic. I'm trying to become a full-time comedian here. What are you talking about? You need to get a job. And he says, well, if you want to work in the arts, you know, what you need is independence. So it's good to have a job, a job that you don't give a shit about, that you can leave the next day. Almost like your job working in the fish and chip shop. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're gone the next day. It's fine. Like, you know, as long as you've got independence, because, because unfortunately, you know, we need money. Like we can't be, most of us can't be surviving off our parents. So I'm very happy that the jobs I had before stand-up, uh, did no responsibility. It really didn't matter if, if I was sacked there and then. I never was. I was decent enough at my jobs. The only job that I had responsibility was a professional lifeguard, but that's another podcast in itself. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, after that, I was just very lucky to have the jobs. And I know, God forbid, if I give up comedy tomorrow, I could go back to that second hand shop. I could go back. I could deliver. I could get food for my mom and keep the pocket money as a 40 year old man. I know the jobs are still there. Thank God. I know. I know. Well, listen, it's good to have a fallback. I'm glad you've thought this through. <laughs> I could do pots and pans in that hotel again. And take do you know what? You could start by doing pots and pans here. There. <laughs> I said it. Shots fired. Fred, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I better go. I think Ted's making the sound. So I better go pick him up. Oh, listen, I love the way you're a very hands-on father. And that's what I like about you, Fred. Well, that's the reason why I can't do other stuff like pots and pans because I'm <laughs> being a parent. Sure, look, oh. you can't do it all. You can't do it all. Bye, Pesh. I'll see you in 1.5 minutes. Love you. <laughs> see you in a sec. Bye. Love you.